Welcome back, everybody. I'm Kenneth Keeler, and this is my co-host, Jerry White. And hello, we hello. are back with the Art Provoked Podcast. We finally selected a name, so you'll be hearing that more often. And today's topic, nice and controversial, artificial intelligence. And we're going to cover it all, hopefully. There's a lot of topics to start with. But I think maybe the best thing to start with is what we both think about AI. What are the pros? What are the cons? Um, for myself, I think some of the pros in AI is efficiency for sure. I also think regardless of what your stance is on AI, it's not going away anytime soon. And I think we're all going to have to adapt to it in some way, shape or form, especially in the film industry. Um, but I think in a lot of different art forms and I think the downsides of it for me are the protection of people and their rights and things being used without their consent or themselves being used without their consent. Uh, also I think a big thing that's not necessarily art related is people using say people's voices or kind of like uh, deep fakes to scam people. Um, I, I have heard some stories of people getting phone calls that were like their mother's voice and they were basically being held hostage, which is pretty dark. So I think those are the biggest downsides to it. And right now there's not a lot of protection or laws in place for AI. And I think we need to hurry up so we don't make mistakes like we did with social media. Yeah. I think um, I like, as you know, if you listen to the first couple episodes, um, I'm, I'm a teacher. So everything, you know, I try to, I try to open, or I try to go into it with an open mind. I don't want to be like the, uh, you know, the old man's going, you know, like the internet's going to rot these kids brains. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, we, we talk about AI a lot and film and photography and all these different mediums. And, um, and, uh, when we, when we do the AI and photography last year, we did it with generative fill like last semester. Um, cause that was like the newest thing that's out by, um, Photoshop. Uh, and if you haven't used it, uh, it's cool. Um, I, I mean, I don't like, I mean, I'm not scared of it as much as I think a lot of people are. Um, I think it's just a new tool and we'll have to get used to it. Um, but I do agree with you, Kenny. Like I, I, the, the biggest thing is like, I think we need to have some guardrails in place um, so people don't get extorted and taken advantage of. And, uh, but that comes down to also education, just like letting people know what's actually happening. Um, I don't, I don't know about you, but when I first heard about it, it felt like, uh, you know, when they're, when they're taking photographs and making new photographs, I was like, oh, they're just, it's cutting pieces of other photographs together and blending them together. And uh, now I know that that's not necessarily true. Um, it's training these algorithms and these models to uh, to be able to basically pick up. And, you know, if I had a, this photo of me, I could code and be like, that's a camera, that's a poster, this is a shirt, this is a head. You know, so it's like, um, and then you just give it thousands of those over and over and over again until it knows what a person looks like and it knows what a camera looks like. And, uh, and so um, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, as we go along today, but uh, you still have to know how to communicate with these things. Yes. Uh, and you have to learn how to talk their language. And so, and if you don't know how to do that, you're, you're still not going to really get what you want. Um, when I'm doing this with high schoolers, very infrequently do you get something that looks realistic, uh, but they think it's fun, you know, uh, to, you know, to add, you know, cats into the photo or trees upside down from the ceiling or like, uh, so there's a lot of funny things that they can do with it. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm not really scared of it, but, um, I, I do think that, um, we, we do need transparency of where the information is coming from. 
Um, and we talk about this, um, you know, in the advanced classes as well as like, you know, where did all these algorithms come from? Like, what are they learning off of? And I think now we're at a part where we're, we're putting AI generated work about in, back into an AI generated model. And so we don't know what is really reality anymore. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, from the research that I did, it seems like what started it was, you know, these coders or programmers, whoever's creating this stuff was feeding this algorithm millions and millions of photos so it could then you know recognize art styles time periods you know the list goes on in a way where the algorithm itself then starts to create its own categories and x y and z so that's where initially it's pulling from already existing art to create said thing but then you bring up a good uh, you know point that now it's also probably being fed AI generated art. So the question I have is over time, then does it, is it less copying and more original? I don't know. Um, and I think it's, there'll be like a, yeah, a, t a tipping point where, yeah, it's like now it's so melded together. I mean, like you can go back to the, I mean, it's, I mean, let's, let's be honest before we get much further. It's like, we've all taken ideas from art throughout history. Um, the difference is now that I can take that idea and turn it into reality with the click of a button. I don't have to like go do the research of like, how does that technique, like, how do I do that? Um, you know, like we're making films and we're watching other films. Usually we have to like break that down on our own and be like, how do you think they made that? Mm -hmm. uh, now I can just kind of talk into a, you know, into a, an algorithm and be like, Hey, make that for me. Um, so will that lead to some more creative aspects? Um, yeah, I'd love to talk about, um, uh, an artist that's using it as we get further into this, that I think there are some artists that are using AI and, and they're putting a lot of work into it. It's not like they're just saying, make this. It's like they're making entire films generated in AI. The artists that are using this to actually generate things and actually make work, it's, you know, it's a little bit more than just pushing buttons. Like they're still having to go in and edit. They're still having to color correct. They're having to learn how to talk to these different systems and they're having to learn how to talk to them while the coders on the back end are always changing how you communicate to them. So it's like there is a lot of, of effort and work that's going into it. So um, is it art? Um, I know it's one of the questions we talked about right before we started recording. Um, you know, maybe one of us will change our mind by the end. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's art or not. I don't know if it's film. If I don't know if it's photography. Uh, I don't know what it, what it's called yet. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, I think that's the biggest question with all of this pertaining to art. I mean, there's many different uses for AI, not just in the art world, but it sounds like the people that you know, the or just in general, the the more dedicated artists <clears throat> that are trying to push this medium, if we call it, uh, it sounds like the most tricky side of it is learning how to speak to it to get the results you want. Because I know just from my experience, whether it's ChatGPT, MidJourney, or using like Photoshop's, you know, AI generative tool, it's hit or miss with what I get results wise, because I don't think I know the terminology of how to talk to it. Like the other day, just for fun, my sister-in-law asked me to take a photo of her dog in a cowboy hat and put it in a Western background. And I was like, oh, perfect thing to use Photoshop generative AI. And I did it and I just typed in like Western landscape. But if I got more specific it was not actually real landscapes. It ended up being like, like I think one of the prompts I put in was like, uh, like a Western town, like street or something like that. And it was like, 
it wasn't real photos. It was like weird kind of abstract drawings or whatever of a town that didn't really work. So I just went back to the basics and just put Western landscape and it brought up like pictures of Utah. So then my question for that is like, I'm sure Adobe has this figured out, but I don't know it. Is that photo from Utah someone's real real photo you know and do they have legal rights to use it i don't know but yeah i mean i think one of the things the the students noticed because they they instantly put in i think one of them was like like i want to put kobe bryant in this picture with me uh or lebron james i can't remember who it was exactly that they wanted to add into the photo um but i said you know like do you're not going to have Copyright, and I mean, it instantly says that's a copyrighted image. Like these these artists, these these professional athletes, these professional people, they have copyright over their own likeness, yeah. uh, and so you're not going to be able to put it in there. Um, so, and if you go to just like people, it is generating people because everybody, you know, kind of has their their likeness to be theirs. So the people that it's generating are don't exist anywhere in the world, which is which is kind of strange right. that that. Um, you know, uh, one of the things I said to you right before we started, like when I do the AI photo photography um, with the students, I print off like 10 photographs. Only one is actually taken completely in a camera. Like it's, you know, and it's like pretty hyper stylized lighting and things like that. So uh, it's a little confusing because they've never seen anything like that where it's like this staged kind of setting. Um, and so uh, it usually is not the one they pick. Um, and the one that I make, you know, to look like the 1800s that I made in like five seconds you know, using one of these, you know, AI generative tools for photography, they, it's always in the top three. Uh, and one of them is because they don't have the background of what a photograph from 1800 looks like. Uh, so they think that like, that's got to be real. I've, I don't even know what that looks like. Um, and then the rest of them are very hyper stylized. Um, they're very, very glossy. Um, and uh, which can, you know, lead us to believe that maybe a lot of these data sets are coming from social media, where it's a lot of filters on top of photos. Um, and so because I don't know if you've noticed that like AI photography is pretty glossy. It's like a very, yes. there's a, there's like a sheen to it um, that is like really only possible through a lot of editing. Um, like cameras, even when they're super sharp, don't shine like that as much. Um, so it feels like, um, it feels like we don't know where the data sets are coming from. Um, and I've talked to, we have an AI teacher that teaches uh, the, the coding side of it at our school. Oh, and I've, I've talked talk to him about it. And, um, and yeah, and the fact that we don't know where these data sets are coming is, is, is the part that I think that that transparency needs to happen. Um, I'm not, I don't think we should need to shut it down. I'm not worried about, you know, the Terminators coming and taking us over. Um, and so, uh, and, and the kids really aren't either, it seems like. Um, but they do think that there we need some transparency of what's happening. And also it's going to come down to, like, we're the ones in control of it. We're the ones that are feeding it. So if you're uploading stuff to a generative AI as, like, a, a learning model, uh, keep in mind if you're uploading stuff that was made by AI, now you're teaching the AI to make AI off of AI, it's going to get really confusing. Yep. It's going to get yeah, really sticky. And so, um, and, and yeah, and it seems like the, the younger students in high school and stuff are realizing that immediately. They're like, oh, if we put in fake stuff, it's going to, yeah, it's going to get way out of whack because now it, it's not coming up. It doesn't have a brain, um, which is one of the things we talked about before we started too. It's like there is no, there, there's no emotion behind it. Um, there's no actual brain behind it. There's no real, the, the, the coding is to train it that these sentences mean these things even if they're written in a hundred different ways, this is what it will mean. Um, and so it's, I think there's still a person on the back end. So it's going to come down to 
yeah, I think it's going to come down to, yeah, do humans want to make themselves extinct? Uh, and if they do, then keep the transparency out of it and just keep giving it whatever you want. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I can't live in a world where I think that's going to happen. No, I think at some point <laughs> they need to hurry up and create a set of laws and rules regarding how the companies create things or what they feed it or certain restrictions. I mean, good example, like I said, when I was making that silly photo with my sister-in-law's dog, just to try it out, I was like, oh, I want it to be funny if like there's just this dog sitting there and there's like a Western shootout going on in the background. Well, at least with Adobe, when I typed in like Western shootout, it actually wouldn't create anything from it because of the word shoot. Oh, so, yeah. We'll add violence. Right. So, But, but all the other ones will. <laughs> Sure. This is an Adobe. <laughs> yeah. This is a yeah, more mainstream. So, I'm sure, if I go yeah. to Mid Journey, it can do the same. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, I think things like that to protect kids and you know other aspects of it from getting out of hand. Yeah. Uh, laws uh, need to be put in place and for for all parties, like how it's used by us and how it's being created by the companies. You know. Uh, and just yeah, I give... think I mean. Oh, go ahead. I. I uh, yeah, I was just say, going to say that um, I, the, the laws, I mean, we have laws on the internet and stuff like that. We will always try to find ways to skirt around those. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's going to come down to like a culture thing of like what we want our media to be, I think. And so, um, yeah, because there's a lot of biases still in these AI models, which we found out through the internet as well, that there's just a lot of implicit bias, um, things like that. Because remember, it's humans on the back end coding Correct. all these things. So all of their thoughts and emotions are what is feeding these things. And one of the things the, the students noticed is they, um, one of them wanted to add fire to something. They added fire. And then they wrote in, they said, make it angry. And then it just put a black man next to it. So these oh, implicit wow. bias that, that are in here that are still in our culture um, are feeding these AI too. And we found that out also on the internet, um, that all these implicit bias, like the facial recognition software, um, and we can go back to you know something that's even more analog. We can go back to like Shirley cards and the Kodak times and stuff where mm -hmm. you know these films were not made for anybody that didn't have white skin. And so we have all these kind of implicit biases that keep coming back up. And so we got to try to figure out a way to, to also work on that because, yeah, if I have a 15-year-old student saying, make the fire angry, and it just puts a black man next to it, like, that's a, that's a bad coding that's error. Horrible. Like, I don't know where that's happening and where that's starting, but, um, and, and it comes up almost every class when somebody puts something in and they're like, why is it putting that in there? Um, and so, and, and they noticed that almost immediate with AI. Um, they were like, you know, if it's a party of people, it was a group of white people. Hmm. Um, so there was, so like, what are, what are we doing with these kind of, um, these learning models that are, it's still, it's still doing that over and over and over again. So I think, um, yeah, we need to, we need to spend a little bit of time on that to figure out what is, why is that something that keeps happening when we have these kind of these technological systems that, that happen. Yeah. And I mean, no different. I think we can both agree like biases are learned, you know, like a kid doesn't come out saying, I don't like X, Y, and Z. They're learned that yeah. based off of yeah. as they grow the surroundings, the environment, the culture they're in. Yeah. And I think it's the same with AI. You take humans, which have, you know, biases and you input all that stuff. It's eventually going to find a pattern of that in the AI yeah. generated work, which is what's happening. And, it's and like, also you could just have teach it to, you know, not have those bias. Yeah. I mean, it was like we were saying, if you, if I, if I can put in something and make a joke, I mean, like I'll use when we were in college, Wikipedia, 
Uh, Wikipedia was not a valid source when I was in college. You could not use it because it was user-generated. Anybody could change it. And so, and I think now it has like actual people that are, are looking at it and stuff. So I think it's a little bit more um, as like a valid source of information now than it used to be 15 years ago. Um, but it's the same kind of thing. If you can go in there, you can start to make jokes. You can start to do all these things and be like, hey, this is a hat, but it's actually a cup. And so now you've thrown the entire thing off. Sure. Um, and so it's like, um, so we have to, we keep, like, we're the ones that are coding it. So if we want to live in this kind of fractured reality of this is this, then we can make all the jokes and stuff. But there's like all of these things when we're living in this technologically advanced society that's learning kind of now on its own in the background of computers. Um, we got to be a little bit more, yeah, we got to try to be a little bit more truthful. We got to try to work on our biases and all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah, it starts to get really out of whack. No, absolutely. I think to move forward, maybe let's break it down. I think the mm-hmm. first question maybe we should start with, and I'm sure we'll dive in more into the conversation we were just having, but I read some interesting stuff, but I think the biggest question to ask in this podcast is what is art? What can, what is considered art? And I'm sure you've talked to this about, you know, talk with this about your students. Uh, First day of class. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I read some uh, AI article um, and I found this, definition, which I thought was interesting. This was from the Stanford Encyclopedia Philosophy, and they explain regarding the modern interpretations, there's two conventional definitions of art. Number one, an artwork is an artifact made for the public to experience. And number two, it is an evolution of works that came before. So that's how Mm. at least this, you know, Stanford Encyclopedia describes it. Um, Now, I think... There's also the subjective side of this answer where, you know, we've seen a banana with duct tape on a wall and people considered it art, you know, a toilet in a glass box. Yeah, there's a lot of (laughs) different interpretations of what art can be. And I think one of the arguments, at least with AI, is, you know, is AI generated work actually art? Because the argument mm. is it, it lacks the emotion that fuels art that humans put into it. So, but then I'm sure I'll try to think of some while we're talking, but there's also other non-AI mediums that are used in art that maybe don't have that human emotion behind it as well, but that's considered art. So I'm just curious, like, what is your definition of art or what are some of the definitions the kids have said to you? For art. Yeah, this is something, and I think we, we've talked about it, like, you know, as I keep teaching, this is what my fourth year, and now I've been at two different schools where I've kind of like started, you know, these film and media programs, or moved them, you know, kind of forward. Um, and so I always start with every one of my classes of they have to define what the medium is. So if it's a film class, they as a class have to define what they think currently film is. Um, and same with photography. So, um, and I did that because I was trying to remove my biases out of like what I think photography is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's changing so fast. Uh, you know, I'm there, all these kids are in a film class. Uh, they're never going to shoot on film. Most of them, uh, you know, there might be somebody that's done super eight or super 16 with their dad or their mom, or, you know, like maybe grandpa has, you know, a camera in the attic. Um, and so some of them have shot film photography, um, but very, very few of them. It's like, so why am I still calling this class film filmmaking? Uh, and so we, we define it. Um, and last year, the seniors, um, they had trouble defining photography as a group. 
because they didn't even they they were fighting about what art was and then they were fighting about what an artist was so we had to go all the way back to like what is art um and so and uh and and they basically just kind of dictated it to like it's it's a huge they i think they said um that it was a like basically a human interpretation of something like so it had to be humans interpretation of something to become art and that became like collective by society like society kind of defies what what is art currently um and you know and then the artist they said was anybody that creates something that wasn't there before so they were like a bird can be an artist they're creating nests they're creating you know like uh um you know a beaver creates a dam they created something that wasn't there before that's a piece Mm -hmm. of art now um and so uh and then yeah and then photography they like without fail it never has to do with the camera when we start like they nobody ever says anything it has to be taken through a camera it's like you know it's like it's a communication tool it's a way to evoke emotion it's a way of capturing light um and so they but they really never talk about the camera itself the tool um, which i always think is interesting and then so that same class when we got to ai at the end i put up their definition from the beginning of the semester which which would encompass ai which included ai and they all like i mean it was like an uproar they're like this is not photography this is not art like they were very adamant about it um and so but i have a couple of those kids back this semester and we started this process again and i was like what do you think about ai now and they're like Oh, I'm so confused. Like they're like, I don't know what I don't know what it is. Um, and so um, it's it seems like they they see it as you know it is an extension of something. Uh, they're all saying it's not photography still. Like most of my students, um, they're like, but it is art in some capacity. Um, but yeah, I would just say that art is yeah just the way that we communicate with others and we add emotion to situations. Like I'm trying to share my perspective of a situation or a scenario, and I'm trying to make you feel the emotion that I felt whenever I was in that scenario. Sure. So it's a way for me to try to bond with you, um, even though I've never met you before. It's like this is how I saw the world. Um, but I think if we zoom out enough, like this whole medium is full of lies. And so it's like I'm never giving you the truth. Even when I take a photograph, it's like I'm showing you what I wanted you to see from that situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I cut 90% of it out. Like I only showed you one angle, one direction. Um, And so if it's already manipulative anyway, then, yeah, AI is going to fit perfectly into it. Uh, Yeah. Because it's like the whole point of filmmaking is I'm trying to make you suspend your disbelief. And if I can get better at that by using this tool – yeah, I think that's great. But if I can, if, but if I'm doing it by stealing from other people or taking advantage of something, then uh, I'm not interested. And I think that's kind of where we're at. It's like, is this taking advantage of people? Which you know, the WGA and SAG strike um, would say yes, it's taking advantage of people, and that's why they went on strike for six, seven months. Mm-hmm. Um, and but yeah, but art industries when capitalism gets involved which is where we're kind of at. We're making, they're making a lot of money off of it. A lot of users are going to it. They're selling it. Um, and so, and when that gets involved, it gets really sticky. And I mean, and you know, part of the reason I think we started this and the celluloid collective was like, you know, to talk about what's really happening. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, we're, yeah, it's like, there's a lot of money being made right now and none of it is being given to the people that they're using their work to code this thing. True. So now, before we dive into that, because that's a, yeah. a heavy topic, yeah. do you think, and I'll use your students more so mm-hmm. as the example, do you think your students, even though they 
first created a definition that encompassed mm -hmm. AI and then yeah. afterwards disagreed that AI was art. Do you think that that mindset comes from a society as a whole and this being such a new medium and tool that they haven't accepted that it could be art or where do you think that comes from? I'm just curious. Well, yeah, I, th I think you can go back in history. I mean, um, so like we just like my, my intro photography classes, I don't lecture to them about what I think is the most important photographers. I put together a pool of like different things that would be encompassed over history. Uh, and then they pick a couple of them. They do some research on it and they present what they thought was interesting about that topic. Um, and so, uh, and one of them that they are, you know, that's, that's usually on there is Alfred Stieglitz, which, you know, he's a photographer late 1800s that started like compiling things together in this, this book called camera work. And it was like a month that was like a, a subscription kind of thing where it was like, they would show all these photographers late 1800s. Nobody knows what photography is like. They're just like, oh, what are we doing with this medium? Um, and basically he was, you know, having arguments with people like, no, I think photography will be a fine art like painting and sculpting and all these other things. Um, and then, you know, then we'll talk about Ansel Adams and it's 60 years later and he's still having a conversation on is photography fine art, hmm. you know, because I'm hiking to the middle of mountains and I'm doing these photographs and stuff. And then we're in 2024 and we're still talking about is, is film and photography a fine art? In some cases, I believe, yes. Um, yeah, but yeah, we, we, yeah, we still just don't, we don't even agree on that part. So I think that's why, movies have been a capitalism machine uh, they make a lot of money people love them um, but i don't think anybody really knows how they get made and how many people sometimes get taken advantage to make that um through either legal loopholes or just you're just not paying people just not giving just not caring yeah um, and and so um uh, but yeah, I think so. I think the students at this point they don't really even know how an industry works. They don't know how the money gets made in it, so they're very open to just be like, "No, this is either art or not art," That's um, fair. based yeah. on where we're at, you know, being you know young teenagers. No, absolutely. Uh, also, they expect everything to be free anyway, because that's the world they've grown up in. True. It's like I don't pay for movies, I don't pay for photos, I don't pay for any of this stuff, um, and we talk about that too. Yeah. If you're not paying for anything, you're the product. Um, so yeah. <laughs> and True. now we have AI cause yeah, we're, we're using all these things with free photos in them that you, you voluntarily gave your rights away to. No, absolutely. And I mean, that comes down to like SAG and WGA, at least in the film industry, yep. their biggest push was to protect their art form, but also to protect their likeness. Um, you know, I know with SAG, the biggest thing was consent, you know, if they're, record or scan someone to use later in a film you know maybe after they passed or they weren't even on set i think one of the biggest things that they fought for was you know to actually notify the person that they're being used even though they weren't there pay the person accordingly based off of how many days they would have actually been on set to film said scene that they're in and then in addition to that they have to give consent like are we allowed to use this or not? You know, and they could say yes or no. And they did win that. And I'm sure there's gray areas. I mean, good example. I read the the SAG disclosure this morning just to refresh my memory. And in terms of figuring out, you know, the payment side of, say, a background worker and how many days it would have taken them to film that scene so they get paid appropriately, it said there was a line item. And, you know, this isn't a quote, but it was on a good faith you know, measure from the <laughs> producers. 
So they're leaving it in their yeah. hand. And that to me is a pretty gray area, which could very much get exploited depending on the producers and their, you know, ethics. Yeah, I think we talked about this last time, you know, of, of being an indie producer and you're like, who should get paid after the fact when we were talking about like right. residuals and thing and um, and, and I think remember one of the things that I said, it was just like, I'd love for this to go on in perpetuity, but to do that, you have to keep an accounting team on, you have to keep somebody on the books, you have to keep somebody to be able to write those checks out there. Yeah. So the good faith thing is like, is that going to work? Uh, if you get a good producer, yeah, absolutely. A good producer is going to make sure that that happens. And the studios, um, they have that. If you don't know, at least with movies and stuff and back end points and residuals, you know, like let's just say Jaws, for example, actors and the people that, you know, had contracts where they get a certain amount of residuals, the studios are still allocating that and distributing it out. So they're, but on a smaller but that's 50 scale. 50 years of paperwork. Correct. Right? That's a long time. But for, say, a small production company that maybe they're not making a film that's backed by a studio, that's almost impossible probably for them to constantly basically keep this project open uh, to handle said aspects um so i mean i feel like one positive out of all of it is the wga and sag are some of the first you know unions or you know organizations to push hard for ai safety and rules involved <clears throat> and maybe they didn't get exactly what they wanted but they got you know, I think I saw an article that had mentioned the companies that create these AI, you know, I don't know if databases is the right term, but like say mid Open AI and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, they were applauding the WGA and SAG for the work that they did for protection. Um, so hopefully a domino effects. And then in terms of laws federally, <clears throat> you know, things follow. Um, as of right now, from some of the research that I did, um, you know, I know the Biden administration, they've tried to get some stuff involved, um, but it doesn't seem like, like example, uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has convened a series of AI insight forums that bring together industry experts, civil rights leaders, and scholars to discuss the benefits and risks of AI. At the same time, Senate committees have held hearings about AI risks and bipartisan proposals have been introduced, but no bills have been voted on or signed yet. So it's being talked about, but even right now, like you can't copyright AI work in most countries and in the United States. Um, there's no human artist behind it posing challenges for artists to protect their original works from AI theft. So that's like one of the big reasons why it's not copywritten right now is because it's not created by a human. But then a big question I have, which was who made the artwork you know is it machine or is it the user and i think that's yeah we yeah a really um, tough question to answer because on <clears throat> one end the user's entering the prompts to hopefully get a specific result but then the machine is the one who's actually generating the result not the user like example if i paint a picture i'm painting it myself you know it'd be different if i commissioned someone to paint said work for me, then that's the yeah. artist who's creating it. But it's kind of a similar concept of, in a weird way, you're commissioning this machine to make you art. So is are you the creator or is it the machine? 
Well, yeah, this is uh, so. This is um, I, I was able unable to get him on the podcast. He's he was he wasn't available to do this, but um, and I've only talked to him through Instagram. We've never met in person, um, and so uh, um, if I if I botch your name, I am so sorry. Uh, but uh, it's A Z E, so Aze Alter, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, and if I didn't get that right, um, please let me know. Uh, and so, um, but I've talked to him a couple times on Instagram, and I wanted to get him on here because he's creating films exclusively in AI. Um, and so one of his films is, is called uh, Capitals of Conformity. Uh, it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic kind of 1984, um, uh, and it's you know about this world where everybody's kind of engulfed by media, and they're never looking up, and so basically the world has kind of overrun you. Uh, and so, and I think at this point, this has had over millions of views on like Instagram Reels and stuff. Um, and uh, last year, um, uh, when I was following um, the the rapper Yeet. Uh, actually made something for his new, I believe it was for his new album, um, uh, Lifestyle. And so, uh, and if you watch it, um, so uh, Aze's uh, Instagram is A-Z-E dot alter, A-L-T-E-R. So if you wanted to go look at this, we'll try to link it to the bottom too. Um, but yeah, Yeet ended up basically making a trailer for his new album that looked exactly like it. Uh, hmm. like it's like shot for shot, uh, different color. It's in like green instead of red color palette. Um, and so I kind of watched this for him and I, and I talked to, to him on Instagram. Uh, they ended up getting him to take it down, I think. Um, and like quote, uh, oh, wow. but, but yeah, but it's, but technically there is no copyright protection for a filmmaker like this, even though when I'm looking at this and every shot that's in the movie is like, it lives in the same reality, which is not something that's easy in AI to be able to do these kind of things to get it to like the background looks the same. The colors of the clothing are the same. It's like, right. Shot every for time shot, you're, there's a cohesion in terms yeah, of aesthetic. Every time you're, yeah. Every time you're like generating, by time you generate again, there's already new information in there that could be disrupting what you're trying to learn. So it's like, the the things that he's doing in there are kind of unreal. Um, but I'm also realizing that I've tried, there's a, uh, I believe it's called Pika Labs, um, which I think he used a little bit for this. Um, so you could use like ChatGPT to come up with the script to try to make the script the way you want. Uh, and then you could take those basically coding blocks, put those into Pika or Midjourney. Sorry for hitting the mic. Uh, into Pika or Midjourney. And then you're able to start to get a story. So uh, hmm. something like that, it's like, and you're only getting like three seconds at a time. I think most of these like video generators can only do a couple of seconds at a time because it's just so intense uh, and it's pretty small movements. Um, but yeah, with something like this, is it is it his copyright? Is it his story idea? He's done all this work along the way, but you know now the government says like we can't give you copyright because you didn't physically do anything besides type into a computer. Which is interesting because um, he I can created type a script the script, and I can yeah, copyright he, it. Whatever yeah, prompts so, he inputted, he created the story, but the images were created. You know, using basically the images he put in are what's creating mm -hmm. the story that he created in his head. So it is this interesting yeah. mix of the machines creating the image, but he's creating the story and compiling the image to tell said story. Yeah. Cause I tried it. Like I took one of my scripts, like after I saw this, I was like, Oh, I'm going to try this. I downloaded uh, Pika labs is on discord. It's a free server. You can go to their website and get on it. Um, it does it in three second chunks. Um, and so I took like, a script that was not produced and I put like the description of the scene, like in the scene heading in there. Uh, and it was nowhere close to what would be in my imagination, but you know, it's like it had a person walking out in a desert. It had, hmm. you know, and you're like, Oh, interesting. Like, could you pre-vis a movie with this? 
yes. The answer is yes. Um, Which I could see being but, a beneficial tool. You know, I have yeah. a friend that I was recently talking with the other week and, you know, he was saying, like, we were talking about, like, embracing AI and how he uses it and the company he works for uses it. The, um, you know, he works in the commercial space, but he was saying that they have a lot of directors using AI to create storyboards for, you know, projects and you know, helping create treatments and things like that, which I thought was interesting. And in that sense, I think there's a benefit there because what it's doing is it's just helping you do it more efficiently. I mean, that kind of stuff takes a lot of time when you're not using AI to draw it, to, you know, type it up, whatever. And so I do see the benefit there, you know, especially with, say, storyboards, which aren't necessarily going to be released. They're just used to help previs and create you know, the final product, which will be done by humans. Um, and so I, I think that's, you know, interesting and uh, yeah, different, but. I guess, yeah, just is like, if it's, if it's part of the process, but not the end result, um, like in this case with, with, with this guy I was just talking about with capitals of conformity, like the end result is what he's trying to get. So I I would love to like eventually, um, to chat with him, um, and so he just wasn't available to do this podcast with us, but you know, maybe like he could, he could write up a response or something like that. But, uh, just like, is like, like how much time this is really taking? Cause there is just no way that this is popping out. Right. That. I just, I, I would, He's I would created be a skill set of how to like, talk to I, these prompts and get I what tried he wants. It, and after 30 minutes, I had a crappy guy walking across the desert in like 12 frames a second and looked just ridiculous, you know? And so, um, yeah, if we're using it as a tool, then great. But I guess when you start to make money off of AI, which people are, like if you're in the commercial space, you're making millions of dollars off of AI and you're eliminating employment. You're eliminating creatives. You're eliminating these people. You're eliminating jobs. Yeah, I so, think... You, so. And you're taking somebody else's content to make this new thing. So now I didn't pay the person that I'm taking the information from that made this program, and then I've eliminated the job that would normally come up with the ideas and the research. Yeah, and so I don't know... That's technically not illegal. It's like, it's just capitalism. It's like, that's what our country is. Um, we could talk about the moral and ethical dilemmas that are there, but you can't make... I, I don't want the country making laws on morality. Sure. I don't want you to decide what is morally or ethically right. I want the people to decide what that is. And if people decide it's ethically wrong, they're going to stop using it. Um, If they don't, our culture will change a little bit and be like, we think it's right for this, but not right for this. Um, And I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know where that's where, yeah, where the government comes in and where the people just go enough. Enough is enough. We want to know where this information is coming from. Right. But I also don't think a lot of people understand how AI works. I think that's the biggest that, thing, especially right now. There's a lot of people, there's an ignorance to, like you said, how it's creating stuff, where it's coming from, how the companies make it do what it does. Uh, but then on top of that, you know, like you said, the transparency side, I think a lot of people just don't understand what it can do, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure it would be interesting for me to ask my parents who are in their seventies, uh, what they know about AI. And I actually will. And I'll maybe add something to the back of this, uh, if it makes sense. Oh, I talk to my dad every once in a while about it. And yeah. Uh, 
and I, I think I mean I don't know if your parents think that, but sometimes it just feels like they they just think it's Terminator. <laughs> like this, it's sure, like, sure. It's, it's like, did we not learn anything? We can't let these robots take over. Uh, um, and it's still like, yeah, the robots at this point are not, you know, <laughs> the robots, <laughs> the computers. The like, I mean, there are robots out there. Sure, Thank sure. you, Elon Musk, I guess. But um, the right now, it's still a human that has to turn them on. It's still a human that has to code them. Um, so if it gets to that bad, that means like culturally we have an issue, I think, not necessarily a robot thing. If we're getting to that point, then it's it, there's a bigger issue. Um, I can't personally live in that world where I think the robots are going to take us over. Um, and uh, for if you don't know what AI is, you've been using it forever. You've been using spell check. That is AI. You've been using auto respond to emails. You've been using Siri. You've been e- using Ask Google. You've been using all these things. That's been AI for a long time. If you have sure. an Alexa in your house, that is all AI. Alexa's not on the other end answering you and putting things in your grocery cart, you know? So it's like, I guess people just decide how far they want the AI to go and like how far, how much of it they want to be part of. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where we're finding out. I mean, you remember a year ago, everybody was like, ChatGPT is here, the end of the world is happening. Oh, yeah. It's been like a year and a half, and it's like, no, it's not the end of the world, it's just different. It's like when we went from newspapers to radio, and then we went radio to TV, and then we went TV to streaming. It's like, it's just different. And as WGA and SAG, we found out, it's like, okay, all the people that were making it think this is an issue and that's going to, it's going to ripple down. Like, I think now that that's over, I think there are going to be other industries that end up rippling out of that too. It's like, sure. It's going to compound on each other as we learn more society, learn, you know, whatever. And we form a somewhat collective opinion on what this is and how it works and how it should work. Um, I think, you know, you're to stem off of like, the concerns when chat GPT first came out or even like earlier versions of mid journey and like, you know, AI generative images. Yeah. I mean, I saw a collective fear on like say, say Instagram and even myself, like I had hesitancies of using AI and like how it was going to, you know, take away the artistic side or like you said, like take away people's jobs, which I'll get to that in a second. I do think it's going to take away people's jobs, but let's just say, in terms of my opinion on it, when it first came out, that's changed. Like recently I've been using AI for like, we have the celluloid collective, which is our film community that Jerry and I started. And for some of the posts, follow follow us, the celluloid collective (laughs) Instagram. Um, And with like some of the posts I was doing, I was to save time. I was asking it to write little comments to input. I would give it information of say, this artist and what I wanted to include in some of their background and I would make it write a little quote and then I would adjust it and it saved a lot of time. And then also on top of that, I used it recently to like write an intro letter to someone for work. Uh, Just again, I edited it and made it sound like me, but I grabbed a template. I made chat. uh, It was more of a test. Actually. I made chat GPT create a template. Then I took that template and started filling in stuff. But along the way, to save time, I was like, oh, I should just now copy this template and then below it put include the following. And I just rambled on about, you know, my experiences and, you know, all this stuff that I worked on and X, Y, and Z made it create the letter. And then from there, I pulled that letter back out and I retyped it and made it sound like my voice. And it saved me probably hours of work. And I think I did it in an hour instead of three or four. 
Um, so in that sense, like, again, my mindset has changed on it because I do see benefits of it in terms of efficiency. And to go back to like the capitalism side, again, the conversation I had with my friend who I won't name just for, you know, the safety of him, but also, uh, I won't name the companies, but he works for an agency that strictly works for one of the large automotive companies. And, they've been using AI for like small VFX work. Uh, one of the examples that he gave me was, you know, their archives only go back to a certain date. And let's just say one of the older vehicles that they don't have, because a lot of car commercials, they'll use like VFX created vehicles in some of the shots because they can control how the car looks better. And that's been going on for a long, long time. time. Uh, <laughs> now, it wasn't always like that. Then they still shoot actual cars. But what they're doing now is they're using AI to take video of, say, an older vehicle. And I'm talking, let's just say, for the sake of the conversation, a vehicle in the 60s. They're, back then, they probably shot the commercial on film. And what they do is they use AI, enter a prompt, and say, remove the driver and then extract the vehicle and then they take all that information and what AI created. And from my understanding, and don't quote me on this, they're then regenerating the car in a 3d form, which Hmm. yes, you could do that with any, you know, VFX person and how they create, you know, 3d cars that you could then put in any shot at any angle, but they're saving the time and the money to do it with AI. Uh, or small cosmetic work. He mentioned that, like, you know, with some car shots, since they'll do... I asked him, I was like, oh, are you doing, like, VFX work, like sky replacement? And he said, no, we're still hiring VFX people for that. But what they might do is do small cosmetic work on the car via AI. So... Well, I, I, I would expect them to stop doing that pretty soon. I mean, I could generative AI the sky immediately. Like, sure, um, there are artists in film right now that are, you know, using generative AI to extend their worlds and stuff, which is like, was not available to an indie filmmaker. And that's a, a huge year, plus. A, a year ago, it's like, I could take this shot right now and then I could be in a library that all of these books go on forever. Uh, and I could be in the world, right? And I right. could rotoscope myself out with a prompt. I mean, so, like, you don't none even of that have to rotoscope available. yourself out. Now no. there's even, I don't know if this is say remove AI, background. <laughs> but you can even just, there's a, a section, at least in Photoshop and like Illustrator, where it'll say, yeah. you know, mask object. And if yeah, it's and a it's person, it'll perfectly mask you. Yeah. And then you can finesse it th- later and it'll yeah. remove that person from the background. And now you could yeah. possibly place that person elsewhere. Or like you said, like in the indie space, if we shot some spaceship on green screen in the background, our goal is to extend say the space station. Normally we'd have to hire a very expensive team of VFX artists and compositors and X, Y, and Z to do said thing. And now you could possibly use generative AI to create that for you and save you time and money. Um, And then use AI to track that, to be able to like have a moving shot. And it's like literally clicking buttons um, but yeah, but you have to think now you've, you've eliminated a lot of different, uh, you know, jobs, but yeah, like we were saying the, uh, you know, the generative AI, like this is, it's making something available for a storytelling thing. Um, you know, the, the ethics of all this art form will always be, you know, disputed in question, and, yeah. and not in question, but, um, you know, like, I, I mean, I think I told you when I saw this generative AI for it, I was like, you know, I've written a script that takes place in like an alternate kind of like reality of stuff. And it was just like, how would I ever afford that? 
And I was like, oh, I could just go out to the desert, lock off a camera, generative fill all these things in, and then even if you it know, was add, simple as add tracking, like yeah. add tracking to make it feel like it's handheld. And then you're just like, whoa, this changes everything. Or even if it was I'm more like, simple of you just want to put two moons in the sky. Yeah, or exactly. Saturn or whatever. Like, yeah, it and it's like so your whole world gets built more, and uh, you know, and but is there a negative? I mean, like, no, not really for that one. Like NASA gives me all these images for free. If you didn't know that, you can go get all these photos from NASA and video. Mm-hmm. That's all stuff you can use for your films because uh, your uh, your taxpayer money pays for NASA. Uh, so there's a whole thing of like the James Webb Telescope and all that kind of stuff if you wanted to use it. Um, but yeah, so I think there's there is there is a way to do it. Um, but yeah, like it's like hopefully it's not taking advantage and it's not, you know, some of these, some of the things are just, yeah, they are ruining, ruining elements of stuff. But, um, you know, I think there are, you know, some, some positives. The fact that, you know, you were talking about, you wrote a letter. I was like, I wrote a contract for an editor for work for hire and I typed in what I wanted and it came out and it's like, it's grabbing a bunch of legalese from other documents. Sure. So it's like now I have a lawyer for basically for free. Do I need to still check that and make sure it's real? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the fact that I could do it that fast and I can move and I can help myself. And it's, I think there've been like some cancers that have been found out because we have AI that it's, they can go in there and ask questions and it's like going through books from 300 years ago. Right. It's so there are taking so medical like, th- these are, information yeah. from thousands of different doctors, yeah. whatever. And it can, these are huge things, but then we'll go back to what you said at the very beginning. Yeah. Are people going to get scammed by it? Cause I can put your voice into an AI generator and then I could have your voice, call your mom and say, I need money. I'm, I'm stuck. Please help me. Sure. Yeah. Well, we'll I always think, use it for bad. Um, I, yeah. No different a, than any crime, regardless of laws in place. If someone wants to commit a crime, they're going to figure out a way. Yeah, and they're going to figure out how to extort a system, and that's right. I don't. That's not going to change. No, but. that's not going to change. So there'll always be a downside to it. Now, I think this is important, and in a way, this is kind of just my own opinion. Although I think a lot of people can agree, we've been talking about a lot of situations here, which encompass people losing their jobs. And in my opinion, where I think we're at, we've had similar things in society in past. If you know. You were to look at history, and let's just talk about the Industrial Revolution, for example. Mm. And this is what I talked about with my friend who works you know, at an agency and does specifically car commercials for a large automotive company. When he started talking about their uses of AI, you know, he did mention, he was like, you know, people are going to lose their jobs. And the way I viewed it, is, and although that's unfortunate, is the Industrial Revolution. Let's take cars, just for example. There used to just be, you know the assembly lines that every aspect was done by a human. And then now you have machines being created that can do the same thing faster and more efficiently. And in turn, all those factory workers, some, not all, but a lot of factory workers lost their jobs. And in my opinion, we're sort of in this AI artificial intelligence revolution. And the same thing is going to happen, but as humans and as a species, as anything that comes in our way, we adapt. So do I think people are going to lose their jobs? Absolutely. Do I think AI is going to go away? No. I think it's something that we have to embrace. But I do think what will happen is those people that have lost their jobs, there will then be other jobs created in AI that hopefully they can do. So in one way, you're losing jobs. And in another way, you're creating a bunch more jobs. And at the end of the day, in terms of a capitalism mindset 
I can't fault the companies for wanting to use something that, again, in a business standpoint and me being a business owner myself, efficiency, cost, and, you know, speed, which is included in efficiency, all those things, you can, there's benefits in AI for that example, just even writing the letter, I save time doing that. And that's a small example, or, you know, with the VFX side, I hope we still have VFX people. And I think, again, no different than uh, SAG and WGA. I think that there needs to be protection around them as well. But I think what can happen is the two can, you know, I think what can happen is the two can exist cohesively and there's protections for the VFX artists, but maybe they're using VF or AI to help them save time. Example, I know for a fact a lot of VFX artists get screwed payment-wise and quality-of-life-wise. Yeah, VFX have been taken – we could do a whole episode with VFX. They've been taken advantage of for exactly. a long time and they spend, for the amount of work that they do. I mean, like, even just animated movies or, you know, like stop-motion movies, those take years to create. And these VFX yeah. people aren't getting paid what they should. Yeah, but, there are shots that take take months for one shot. Right. It's a, it's a lot of – What lot. if there's a world where – the VFX artists can use AI to save their own time, which then gives them a better quality of life to be with their families, to be with X, Y, and Z. Now the downside is you could say, well, they'd get paid less because they're saving time. But I think that needs to be a conversation with the VFX. And I don't quote me on this. I don't think there's a VFX union at this time, but I think there needs to be. I don't think at this point there still is no. Um, But I think that's a good example of, Yes. Especially, this, yeah. There's very few movies that do not have a VFX shot in them Oh, anymore. my God. It's Even like, simple VFX. Like, yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Just like removing something, adding a car, putting a mountain range in. Even as simple um, as removing, you know, cables for stunts, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think that's the world that we're in. We're in this new industrial revolution that's an AI revolution. And with that, jobs are going to be lost, but new jobs are going to be created. And there's benefits to using it. I think it's up to us to safeguard ourselves and our skill sets, but embrace using AI. Like example, I don't know all the intricacies of the VFX workflow, but let's just say, you know, no different than a film production with lighting teams and the jobs run down into different, you know, job responsibilities that create one thing. It's the same with the VFX world. So there's all these different um, steps involved in a VFX workflow from compositors to, you know, what the artists that are creating, whatever. And I think what could happen, at least just speaking on the VFX topic, is they create tools to use AI. And yes, like a smaller job might get eliminated. But now those people that were in that job could, you know, encompass using the tools that took their job but they're just in a different job title if that makes sense so yes you're eliminating one step but it's you're still using the humans to you know create whatever they're using ai wise and implement it in a vfx workflow i think really that's what it is it's taking this technology as a tool and using it in that workflow which will help with efficiency and cost but then i think it's up to the users and the employees to fight for a protection for themselves and that's i think you're going to see that across the board in many different industries i mean we talked about it last time i think that's a good place to like kind of like segue for the last like five minutes of the episode is um 
uh, I think one of the things you, uh, I'm trying to remember where that document was you sent me, but you were talking about, um, let me pull it up really quick. Um, when you're talking about adding the safeguards for yourself, um, is that is one of the things about AI and we talked about the first episode, I think was just like standing up for yourself, knowing when you're getting taken advantage of. And it's like, and that's on a singular level. It's on a group level. Find the people that you want to work with. Um, this right. industry will, this industry and any creative industry that gets capitalism behind it eventually starts to take advantage of people. So just be informed, look into these things. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, and also just don't let anybody else tell you how to feel. If you feel like you can use this, then you can use it. If you feel like this is the end of the world, then don't use it. Right. And um, some but, of it's going to be subjective. Some people are going to yeah. agree with AI as a tool and some people won't. And there's no way around that because as humans, everyone has their own yeah. opinions. And I think Kenny and I would both have a, a an agreement and a disagreement of like how much I think I should use AI and how where I should stop. And I bet our levels and thresholds are both different. Um, you know, like me on a creative side as a director and a writer and producer, like I'm going to have a different limit on it. Kenny's like, hey, if we can extend this world in here, why are we not using that? Why wouldn't we use this instead of a green screen? Sure. It's like so much easier, faster, and we can we can get to where we want. But I think the one thing that you put in here, Kenny, as we kind of like uh, finish up the episode um, was, uh, you know, like is artificially intelligence like our AI art? Is it art? Um, because part of the reason we use art is to communicate emotions and to share our view with the world. Um, and, and AI art at this point does feel kind of empty. Um, like That's when fair. you look at a, when you look at a photograph, it doesn't really have that emotion. And if, if we, if we have a definition for art that is like involves emotions and involves being able to speak with each other, um, you know, but then I go back to something like that capital is a conformity. You know, like, this makes me feel really, un- really uncomfortable. This makes me feel really uncomfortable. And it's like, and I can see this world and I can see, you know, I can see what you're trying to communicate with me. Um, and it's like, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Um, what do you think is the next kind of step with AI? Um, like how art, how can artists, indie artists, because that's kind of why we started this was like us independent artists that are trying to use these tools, trying to make sense of the world, trying to make sense of this business. Uh, what are the pros for an indie artist to be able that this technology exists to them right now? I think not necessarily being scared of it. Sure. Sure. Um, for myself. So I'm, I'm at this interesting middle ground. So for me, I think there's two aspects to that. I think one there's using it as a tool for indie artists to maybe access or create something that they otherwise couldn't with, you know, lack of funding or whatever, or personnel. And then I also think I'm going to say it here. I also think that AI can be used as a medium. So, and I'll explain. So in terms of the tool side, let's just speak on our front for indie filmmakers. Like I said about the VFX side, if I can help Jerry, well, not I, but if we know that we can now create the world that you're envisioning in your head with resources that we otherwise wouldn't have, but we can use the tool as AI. I think that's really beneficial. Like you said, like I'm very much as a cinematographer, as much as an in-camera person as possible, but I'm not ruling out like there's some stuff that's, it's impossible to get in camera or like, again, there's constraints. So budget, if I know, sure, we could have built this awesome set. Great. 
but we don't have $200 million, but we could make it look like we had $200 million because we know how to use this tool with green screen and generative fill or whatever that can create, you know, even as simple as like a plate to put out a spaceship's window, you know, that to me is beneficial. Um, and I'm not saying you could, like Jerry said, you could go pull NASA images and you don't have to use AI, but I think there is a benefit as a tool for a lot of indie filmmakers, whether that is, you know, efficiency, whatever. Now, then to go back to the other side, for me, I don't know. I might end this podcast saying that AI can be art. Uh, I'll let you know in like five minutes. But um, I do see it as a medium. Your friend is a great example. Yes, I do think there's an argument that AI generated work doesn't have emotion. But I think that's dependent on how you use it. Because with your friend's films, for example, he is created a story in his head that he knows he wants to tell what he's doing is instead of taking a camera which is another tool of capturing images and using multiple images to tell a story and provoke an emotion he is using ai as that format to create those images and tell a story that like you said provoked a feeling whether that is an emotion or even just you know feeling uncomfortable or again telling a story that makes you think He's the one who created that story, not AI. He just used AI to create the images to make you feel a certain way. Now, if we want to talk about a single image, I think that's subjective because I think it's dependent on, you know, what someone puts into it. If I want to play with how social media takes over our brains and I tell AI to create an image of a human that has a tube running to a phone... That, in my opinion, depending on how it comes out, could provoke a certain feeling or a thought. And what's the difference whether you used AI to do it or you drew it? The creator, the user of AI is the one that has an idea to get a certain thing out of it. So that's where it's hard for me. It's like I do see the side where AI, if you're if you're saying art is has to have a human emotion behind it, which we could argue there's other mediums out there that probably don't that are considered art. Um, then yeah, maybe AI is an art, but then again, I don't think that's fair because I think a certain person putting in certain prompts could get a specific result that then makes you or I or any viewer feel a certain way. Um, and I think like it's only going to evolve. Like I think we're in the very early aspects of AI. Um, I'm going to say it here, man. Art provoked. I think AI is art. And I think a lot of people, it's just a new medium, you know, like if we want to argue back when photography came around, someone could have said, oh, this isn't art. All you do is click a button. But what you're doing, they still say, (laughs) sure. But what there's more to it than that, because like you said, what you're putting in the frame is a choice by a human. And if you want to argue you're putting in information into a prompt by a human that then uses that machine, whether it's camera or AI to create a certain image. So yeah, that's where, I, that's where it's hard for me. It's like, I, yeah, yeah. That's where I'm on the 50, 50 side where, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's film or photography. I wouldn't say it's one of those yet. Um, sure. like I wouldn't say AI generated films are film, or cinema. I wouldn't say AI generated photography is photography. Um, I would say it's, it's art. Um, and so, because it is, it is evoking something. Um, 
but I so if I had to put it like into a succinct sentence, it would be like I don't think AI is creating art. I think it's creating new artists, and so that like it that. will end up it will end up being. Um, I think it'll get refined, and I think eventually it will be whatever it's going to become. Um, but yeah, it's like we need to find a new word for it. Um, and it could be generative artists. It could be generative art. It could be, yeah, I think there is something in there because it's like it is, they are making something. These people are making something. And they I don't are. Think it can be, I don't think it can be discounted, um, the ones that are actually using it for an artistic purpose. And they're usually, I think, they're using it to kind of talk about our world and how it. there is so much technology. And it's like, uh, and that seems to be a lot of the art that's coming out of there. Um, but yeah, so that would be kind of my... Um, on provoking the artists out there are provoked. I think a, a good way to end this podcast. I mean, there's been, this is, this is a dense podcast. There's a lot that we covered. There's still a ton that we didn't cover. Um, I do agree with you in the f- side that it's not necessarily photography or film. I just, for fun, I looked up a definition of photography and it's pretty basic. It says, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why I don't use it in my pra- classes. <laughs> yeah. It says the art or practice of taking and processing photographs. Yeah, uh, it's creating. What is a it, photograph? It's creating images, correct? Um, yeah. yeah, that's why I don't use it because then we have to go. What is a photograph? It's like it takes so long to define. Right. There's stuff. a lot of things here that have to be defined to create uh, opinion yeah. on what AI is or isn't or what it's doing. You know. I think at the end of the day, if this podcast makes you think and question and go research, then that was the benefit. Like. I think, again, the point of this podcast is to kind of talk about topics people are afraid of or, you know, blow down the walls of stereotypes in art and, you know, and question stuff. But that's also what art does. Art makes you question. So that's our goal here with this podcast and the topics that we talk about. And in my opinion, I think we solidified some things just based off Jerry and I's opinion and research. And that's just our own views. Uh, I think you can take it or leave it, you know, but you're going to create your own, you know, opinion of what this tool or new medium is. And then outside of that, society is going to grow and AI is going to grow and evolve. And it's going to become something that maybe we can't see right now. Um, I also think it's going to make a, a lot of people go back to like analog technologies. Um, which is our, our final, I guess, the plug for the celluloid collective. It's all on film. It's like, yeah, I, think I mean, more more people are going to come out of that. Uh, but I like you saying, like, you know, if art is meant to make you question the world around you, then I changed my mind. This is this is art. It's just a new art. Yeah, because uh, it's, it's, it's got me questioning medium. everything. <laughs> no, it does, and I'm excited <laughs> about it. Like, yeah. there's a lot of scary aspects that come involved with it. Like Jerry and I have said, we're both not scared of it. I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm also excited to experiment. You know, I know Jerry and I are going to use AI in our work together and see how that goes. I want to use generative fill on like actually moving images. Yeah. I want to do it. It might work. It might fail. And, and then again, like try it again as this new medium evolves. But yeah, I think, are we saying it Uh, are provoked? I think AI is a new medium of art. I think it can be art. It's up to the user. I think user. you can be an artist out of it. I don't think all of it is art, but I, I think agree. some of it def- some of it definitely is art. I uh, agree. It's making us question the world eh, and it's getting the emotion across, which I think is we just need to why safe- we do it. Yeah. I think we just need to safeguard the copyright aspects that are, mm-hmm. you know, in question right now, and I think we need to create some rules and laws about it federally so it can at least be used in the most positive 
aspect. And yeah. like you said, so it doesn't take advantage of other things. Because in addition to art that we're talking about in the terms of AI, AI is used in many different facets that's not art. Technology, you know, science. Been used for a while. Yeah, all sorts of aspects. So there's many different departments in my mind to AI. We're just kind of solely our main, you know, conversations here were the art side of it, but there's a lot of sides like we, you know, we briefly mentioned the health side of it that, you know, are a whole different benefit to our species. But we said it here, folks, AI is art in a certain way. We'll see how that changes. And in the meantime, just keep yourself informed. Just just look it up. Like we said, we don't we don't have all the answers. Nobody does. So, yeah, and we'll um, put some links you below to... to you know for you guys to explore. Maybe some articles that we use to you know get some information. But go explore. And if you have art out there that's AI generated, drop it in the comments and uh, yeah, let's see what you're making. Yeah, send uh, send it over. Convince uh, convince somebody. <laughs> absolutely. Well, on that note, thanks for joining our podcast. This was Art Provoked. Brought to you by the Celluloid Collective. I'm Kenny. I'm Jerry. See you guys later. See you next time.